Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspective. Hello, my dear. Hello, hello. So we are recording remotely once again. Again. (laughs) Yeah, but it's because Madigan got her booster and unfortunately is not feeling super well today. No, I'm... It's the second day after I've gotten it, too. So it's been two full days now, me feeling like crap. I feel much better. Uh, my body's still kind of sore, but I was explaining to Keegan that I've got like a really swollen lymph node under my armpit. And it hurts really bad. <laughs> That's like the most annoying thing right now. And I've also just been like sleeping nonstop for the past two days. Yeah, so. the fatigue, I think, is a very common side effect. Like, I oh. definitely felt fatigued. Whenever yeah. I whenever I got it. But other than that, I mean, I was lucky in that I didn't have a lot of of really adverse side effects. But I have known a few people who were out for like a couple of days. Yeah, so. it's, it sucks. I feel like I'm living in a weird like time loop where the last two days were actually just one day. And the only way I can tell it's different is that I like took a shower and changed my clothes last night. So I'm wearing different clothes. Otherwise, it'd be like the same day all I did was lay in bed and listen to podcasts because Keegan my wrists were even hurting yesterday my fingers were hurting I couldn't hold my phone up my bones were hurting so bad like you know they say that if you have a bad reaction to it that it means that your body is responding better so who knows like maybe you are better equipped to deal with the virus than I am I like like that that you're I like that you're turning this into a compliment about me like yeah, mm-hmm. I'm Your really body is fighting harder for you. My body gave up on me. My body was like, it's you know, whatever happens, happens, Keegan, and we don't know what to tell you. Thank like, you for twisting my forty eight hours of misery into a positive about you're so my welcome. being. <laughs> you're leave so it, welcome. Leave it to Keegan to make me feel good about myself. My goodness. <laughs> All right. Well, um, since like I said, I've been like essentially sleeping the last forty eight hours. Um, I wasn't able to keep up with the uh, the note-taking of the news as well as I wanted to, but there is one very, very important thing that I wanted to touch on during this episode, and I'm sure it's part of your notes as well. So the thing that I really want to talk about this week, the thing that I took mo- most of my the thing that I took most of my notes on this week uh, is essentially everything that's happening with Kellogg's right now. I don't know if you're familiar with everything that's going on um i am because in my house max is refusing to bring in any kellogg's products as he should as he should yep uh kellogg's is the fucking worst and we all need to stop buying their products i now that i am very aware of this issue am also not purchasing any kellogg's products i had a moment of like I don't know what the word is, but I had like a moment of reckoning with myself today. That's the word I was looking for when I had ordered soup and they gave me Kellogg's brand like saltine crackers. I was like, I didn't buy them myself. Like I didn't pick them out and I really want crackers with my soup. <laughs> it, it would do you y- no use to throw them away. At that right. Point. I'm like, you know, you know like, they, then you're just wasting food, which is also not good. Right. So, so I ate the Kellogg's crackers, but I was like, I'm not going to buy the Kellogg's crackers. 
Yeah, I mean, I see those as very different things. Like, I think it would actually be worse. It'd be misguided to throw out perfectly good food, you know? Right. So, you know, though, that nothing pisses me off quite like corporate greed does. Oh, my God. Like, nothing pisses off Keegan more than capitalism. My goodness. I mean, truly. And <laughs> I, I am also very fired up because I just listened to the Behind the Bastards two-part episode on Jeffrey Bezos, uh, which Ugh. you can go listen to. And here's here's the thing. And, and I try to be very, like... Uh, have a lot of grace for a lot of this. Like I still use Amazon. It has become so intrinsically tied to the way that we live now. And as I say to um, to people, you know, I was having a whole conversation with Cassie, who's my co-host of my state. She feels very strongly about fast fashion and like really tries not to consume in that way. I don't consume meat anymore. Like there are things that we do to try and like, stem the tide Um, yeah there's we each try to pick our own ways of making our like carbon footprint on this planet a little bit less intense you know right right and really like the truth of it is and this is the same thing I said to her is there is no ethical consumption under capitalism like there just isn't so completely beating yourself yourself up for continuing to use Amazon or do XYZ like I'm, I'm definitely not advocating for that I just think that being aware um, and trying to do the things that you can where you can is really important and Boycotting Kellogg's is something we can all do. So, yes. <laughs> so Kellogg's, they have been forcing their workers to endure 72 to 84 hour work weeks with mandated overtime. Employees have said that they were sometimes forced to work 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. and then asked to return at 3 a.m. to begin another 12 hour shift and were often refused time off even for funerals. Like they had to fight for time off even for funerals. Um, Some of them were first some of them were forced to work up to 120 days in a row without a single day off. Oh my God. Can you imagine? No, like like that makes me... I have like mental breakdowns sometimes working five days in a row. I'm like, I can't be here anymore. I have to go. Absolutely. I am fighting for my life to make it through a five-day work week. Right? The idea that I would have to work... 120 days without a single day off no those days often being 12 to 16 hour days yeah no no uh one employee told rolling stone quote you sign on at a place like kellogg's and you know they basically own your life oh i mean all of this is so reminiscent of what Amazon factory workers go through and I've just seen a lot of videos on that so that's like what I'm drawing connections to but it's Mm -hmm. like it's so unbelievably ridiculous for these companies to expect such high quality work to come out of these workers that are being so unbelievably mistreated and overworked and not given anything in return for the work they're putting into your Mm -hmm. business. No, definitely not. And I won't even go into like Kellogg's created like a few years ago, they have this entire like caste system with within their employment where essentially like older workers, like workers who have been with the company for 20 plus years or whatever, they get more benefits or whatever. And you have to wait for one of them to die before someone else can like move up. I mean, I've heard that joke in like voiceover. (laughs) 
No, it's it's horrible. And so no, it's absolutely awful. If you're a lower level factory worker, they're basically telling you like there is no room for upward mobility. Like right. you are just kind of we want you to come in here and sign your life away and like and work really hard for us and really really care about everything too. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, I just know I know all of that fucking bullshit corporate like talk to make you feel like you're actually making a difference you're mm-hmm. actually like doing something important and then they don't give you absolutely anything in return it's so the infuriating that i worked for that were like merry christmas happy holidays here's a duffel bag with the name of our company printed on it like that's for real your christmas bonus like that's it's so gross like when you look at what these companies and like the ceos of these companies make and then you look at what the workers make and the amount of work these people it's really degrading it's it's unbelievably awful it's almost like a sign of how little they care if you really think about it oh absolutely but they want to come off like they do care so they're like i don't know throw a little something to the a little something something something. And, and then it's gonna have their name on it too so that wherever you're wearing it you're also promoting that company, oh, it's just, it's all uh-huh. the worst. But then now I didn't take any notes on this. So correct me if I'm wrong. But wasn't there also something in this story where they were like all the workers of Kellogg's were saying they're going to like quit. And then well, yeah. they were like, well, we're just going to like hire all these other people. Like what? Mm-hmm. How did so that go happened, again? What happened was in October, 1,400 workers finally decided to strike. Right. And they have been on strike since October trying to negotiate with the company. So a few days ago, the company announced that it would be permanently replacing the striking workers, which is a decision which is a decision that was made after the company rejected a deal that would have provided a 3% pay increase for the workers so they've been going back and forth yeah going back and forth trying to negotiate this thing finally they were like okay here's what we want we want a three percent pay increase for the workers and Cogs was like oh and i wonder what the original asking amount was too you know what i mean like you know they didn't start with three percent like you know Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. they were just like haggled down and down and down the fact that they wouldn't even take a three percent increase is like right absurd And their CEO makes $12 million a year, which is nearly 280 times the company average. Like the CEO, who you know is not doing a lot of the physical work. Like that's the thing when people like cap for billionaires, they cap for people like Elon Musk and Jeffrey Bezos. And it's like, you know that they're spending 99% of their time not at the office, like not working no. hands on with any of this stuff. And they are raking in. They're the money three, behind it and the like name. This, yeah. The CEO is raking in almost 300 times the amount of of other worker of the rest of the company. Yeah. Like, the CEO is spending his time like sitting in his McMansion smoking a yeah, cigar. He's not spending his time like actually working on the company, especially not at this point with Kellogg's being such an established company. Like right. your CEO is not like boots on the ground rooting for you. No, you know? oh, no, no, no. And so like they absolutely can afford to pay their workers a livable wage and to provide them with humane working conditions and benefits. Like that's just the way like they're not hurting for anything no and in fact kellogg's made four billion in profit 
made $4 billion during 2020, during the pandemic. That's in profit. So that doesn't surprise me at all because think of all of the like non-perishable or items mm-hmm. that like stayed Absolutely. in your pantry mm-hmm. for a long time. Kellogg cereal. Everybody yep. was buying tons of cereal, I bet. Yep. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta. And I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop. And you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Yep. Uh, And instead of giving their workers, who were considered essential throughout the height of the pandemic and lockdowns, and reportedly, again, worked 16-hour days, seven days a week throughout the pandemic. Gross. Throughout a plague. (laughs) And instead of giving them a bump in their pay for, like, literally putting their lives on the line, they provided cookies as a means to show their appreciation. Which factory that makes cookies. Well, and I was also going to say, like, that's also super not safe because, like... You shouldn't be like during the pandemic, you shouldn't be like bringing cookies to share. You know what I mean? Like, it's weird and and not safe during the pandemic either. (laughs) No, and it's like the like what we were just saying with your company giving you a holiday sweater instead of a Christmas bonus. It's like there's cookies in the break room. We appreciate you. And I'm like, that's not what we need right now. Like, no, everybody is afraid for their literal lives because right. we're in the middle of a pandemic lockdown. I have kids at home that I need to take care of because they're not going to school or whatever. These cookies aren't helping me. Cookies I'm get not, us you know, nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Like just absolutely wild. Yeah. And It's even more wild when you think about the fact that wages across the board have stayed stagnant for about the last 25 years, while every other economic indicator, including prices, have gone up. So minimum wage has remained roughly the same for decades when everything else has gone up. Every other economic indicator has risen. That's why people cannot afford to buy a house. (laughs) People cannot afford to 
live and they certainly right. can't afford to live well you know right. and the rich are staying rich and we're not going anywhere <laughs> so this is time my friends it is time for a workers revolution enough is enough we've had it a deadly tornado just devastated the midwest uh-huh. this week and there have been so many stories of companies including amazon but there are you know other culprits as well who did not allow workers to leave the factory floor during this tornado, forcing them to work through it, which resulted in a number of fatalities. Like, people died. And, like, they texted their loved ones saying, like, Amazon's not letting us leave. I would just or, fucking like, leave. Like, I know that, like, there's probably more. I'm not, like, trying to victim blame. But, like, my God, like, I can't imagine being that beholden to a company that I would be scared for my life and be like, you know, I'm going to stick with you. Yeah, you know, I think it's kind of a difficult thing. It's I think it's partially because... It's partially because these people have like families and lives. They can't right, just lose their jobs. Yeah. They don't want to just lose their job. Like that's a, a scary prospect for right. a lot of people. And, and again, we live in a country where our health insurance and things like that are tied directly to our employment. So if you have family that relies on that, like there's a lot of reasons why you might not want to leave. And then also, I also know what it feels like to be pressured in a job and as like a people pleaser personality totally, it is hard yeah. to stand up against that and then thirdly as someone from the midwest who experienced tornado warnings quite frequently right you're probably it can thinking also that be easy yeah to think that like okay like this is really fucked up that they're making us stay here but it's probably not going to be that bad. I don't right? know. Every like, single tornado warning that I had growing up absolutely petrified me. Can you guess why? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, you have a Wizard of Oz complex. I was legit scared my house was going to be picked up and thrown away. Like, every (laughs) single warning. I remember once having a tornado warning at my ice rink and being told a million times, because we were, like, underground in a cement building. They're like, if we're going to be safe anywhere, it's going to be here. And I was just like, nope, we're all going to die. It's all going to crash down on us. Like, tornadoes are a big thing for me. Like, natural disasters as a whole. I think that's why my initial reaction is like... My family's going to have nothing if I die. Yeah. You know I what I mean? Like, I completely understand that reaction. But like, but no, there the are of so many and like most people that I knew in Missouri. Like we would have like tornado siren drills that would go off like totally. every Wednesday. And even with if we knew an actual tornado was in the area, it would literally be a thing where it was like, look outside do you see the tornado because if not then life can go on as usual i mean honestly yeah that we there's been whole tv shows made about like chasing tornadoes and things like that but yeah no i just i think that that's absolutely ridiculous that that a person would be put in the position to have to even like have that thought process that decision no your to choose your job over your life especially when you're working on amazon Yes. Your employer should give a shit about you. Workers are human beings. Like, workers have rights. Workers are the people who make the machine go. Right. Like, it doesn't make sense to undervalue your workers. And honestly, I was listening. I think Daily Zeitgeist was talking about this. And they were saying how, or someone on that show was saying how they think that a lot of companies are just kind of, like, waiting it out until they can start, like, employing in quotes robots instead of people right because, like this is 
things are heating up. Like people are getting really fed up. They're really seeing how badly workers are being treated. Yeah. And we are headed towards a revolution. But I think a lot of like CEOs just feel like they can wait it out. Like rather than just paying their workers more, which they can afford to do again. Which then like what's going to happen person, once the robots take over? Like no one's going to make any money. Uh, well, and that's what's kind their of an plan then? That's, <laughs> that's been going on for a long time. Is I don't think their plan is to do anything about that companies. I think that that's why though a lot of people have been pushing for a basic income for an, a, like a national basic income that everyone needs to get. That's livable. As things become more, um, as things become more automated, that's gonna you're exactly right. Like we don't have to hire as many cashiers at the grocery store because there are self checkout machines. Like, so when it comes to factory work and we don't need people to fill Amazon boxes anymore, or we have self-driving cars that can drive the Amazon trucks or drones that can drop off packages at your front door. What do we do? How do people make money? Right. Um, that's a, a completely different question. But I know yeah. you're just like, you're sending me spiraling now, Keegan. <laughs> no, it, listen, you know, I get worked up about this stuff. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, so, as, as we should be. Yeah. With all of that being said, um, you can support the strike by, as we said, not purchasing Kellogg's products. It was kind of a, I was literally, when I heard about this, I was thinking about making uh, Rice Krispie treats. I was going to make them for the party that you came to, actually, because mm-hmm. I have a bomb ass Rice Krispie treat recipe. And I guess I could have bought like you the could generic the version right? of Krispies or whatever. Uh, but Kellogg's does make Rice Krispies. Kellogg's is mostly known for cereal. That's what we all think of, I think, and are most familiar with, of course. And, it, and that usually says Kellogg's on the box. So that's not usually like a huge mystery if that's a Kellogg's product or not. But there are a lot of other products that if you are trying to boycott the company, you should be aware of. So some of those products are Ego Waffles, um, Morningstar for my meatless fam. So those of you trying to go plant-based, Morningstar is a very big like plant-based uh, company. Cheez-Its, Club Crackers, Pringles, any Keebler product and God, if I don't love like a fudge stripe cookie. Oh my God. Um, their version of the Samoa Girl Scout cookies. Mm, good. I mean, Whoa. listen, this is not an ad for them. Obviously we want you to boycott them, but yes, the, the Keebler cookies are good. RIP. We're going to have to find other versions of it. That's yes. possible, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Nutrigrain and Pop-Tarts. All of those are Kellogg owned so avoid those and that's you know among many other things for a full list I would definitely google it if that's something that is important to you and I I do strongly encourage everybody to avoid buying Kellogg's products there's easy other options out there there's other things that you can find Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. buy the off-brand Krispies right we're gonna live we're gonna be fine that's right all right so The other big thing that happened this week that is definitely big in feminist news is that beloved black queer feminist author, poet, cultural critic, and professor Bell Hooks passed away on Wednesday at the age of 69. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so she's been on my list of someone that I wanted to cover in a feminist fave for a long time. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to go over her entire biography here, but she was an early intersectional feminist who criticized the feminist movement for centering the experiences of privileged white women. And she wrote frequently about the intersections of race, gender, class. And, and this was something whenever I was, you know, reading about her life, she talked a lot as well about the intersection of geographic place in feminism, which is something that you hear spoken about a lot. But she grew up in segregated Appalachia, which I can only imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely would affect the amount of privilege or lack thereof access to to things, you know. Yeah, they lived in so many intersections and intersectionality was such an importance in her legacy of the feminist movement. What they're probably most known for is her 1981 book, Ain't I a Woman, which discusses racism within feminism. And that's kind of what you were discussing where um, that was a very important topic for her to discuss. And I feel like Ain't I a Woman is like an incredibly popular book as well. Um, I love that, you know, we've discussed a few different people in feminist faves in the past that have chosen to spell their names differently or mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. have it be, you know, no capitals or, you know, things like that. And Bell Hooks was one of those that spelled her name with no capital letters to kind of take away um, the individuality that a name gives you. Like there, she was a very, very thoughtful woman. Um, she was actually named Times 100 Women of the Year this past year which was pretty amazing. So she has remained very um, important. Relevant. Very relevant. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So her death was announced by her niece, who stated that she was surrounded by loved ones when she passed. There hasn't been an official cause of death that's been released as far as I have seen online, but according to Beria, yeah, yeah. but there was a statement from Beria College in Kentucky where she's taught since 2004, where they mentioned that she'd been suffering from some sort of illness. And then when I looked on her Wikipedia page, it said that her cause of death was kidney failure. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I I didn't see that listed anywhere. So it'll be interesting when they come out with an official like statement regarding her cause of death because 69 really isn't like right. old. It does, like it's not- but it does sound like she's been dealing with some sort of illness somewhat privately that, you know, it sounds like her yeah. Em- yeah. employer knew about, you know, the university that she worked at and things like that, but it wasn't really a, a public knowledge type of right. thing. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it's going to end up being something similar to that, which makes me so sad to hear that, you know, there was suffering before her passing, yeah. but it really does sound like even through that, um, you know, like we said, she remained incredibly relevant and active and wonderful. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's important to point out that her importance, I think it's important to point out her importance to black feminism, right? Um, she wasn't the first person to coin the term intersectionality necessarily. Right. Because Kimberly Crenshaw did that in 1987. However, she wrote Ain't I a Woman, Black Women and Feminism in 18... 18, Did I say 1897? 
No, you said 1997, but then you were just about to say that she wrote Ain't I a Woman in 1881 instead of 1981. In 1981, <laughs> and Kimberly Crenshaw coined the term in 1987. Right, so it was so almost she, like she had the idea without the yes, term. Yeah, and, and Kimberly Crenshaw does actually kind of acknowledge that, that like... I'm sure it was from these ideas that bell hooks had that really planted the seed for a lot of intersectional feminists going forward to start looking at it through this like very critical lens and understanding that like experiences vary based upon all of these different factors. So it can't be overstated like how pivotal she was to an entire generation of feminists and black feminists. Yeah. And, yeah. and also queer people like I've been yeah. seeing um, I follow the them Instagram page. They were posting a lot about bell hooks yesterday and things like that. There were so many facets to her that were so wonderful and impactful. Um, I feel like there were there was anybody that could relate to her in some way, shape or form and the things that she had to say. And also she was so incredibly smart. Um, like you were talking about, she talks about the like geographical impact on mm-hmm. on us and things like that mm-hmm. and they they refer to her as a cultural critic which I think is really cool and very interesting and something that I haven't really done much looking into and it sounds really fascinating as well so yeah, yeah. continuing to motivate yeah all right rest in peace bell hooks all right is there anything else that you want to discuss today or should we just kind of make this a shorter one Yeah, that's all I've got. You know, it was mostly just me being in my feelings, writing page after page about how bad Kellogg's is. I am um, so here (laughs) for that. I'm so glad you brought it up because I didn't even think about that. But it's something that I've been talking about around the house. So I'm very, very glad that you brought it up. Yeah, I love this um, awareness that I feel like people are starting to have around their consumerism. Yes. And again, just whatever that looks like for you, it's... It's we cannot prevent unethical consumerism on every level. Right. Like it just isn't possible. You've got to like live today. Pick the ways that I feel like make the most sense for you and your lifestyle and the things that you can find attainable things that you can do without it having to be like too much of a like sacrifice. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I mean, sacrifice is necessary, but yeah, yeah, exactly that in in terms of like you still have to live your life. Yeah. So I think kind of prioritizing what that means to you. Like for me, this entire Kellogg strike, the reason why I think I feel so passionately about it is because it's like people. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, it's like well, a small what you, thing we can do. And to what help you just people. said is so important and that is priorities. And I feel like that's a really important thing to remember when there are so many things that are coming at you where you're like, well, I can't do this and I should do that. And I should do that. And you get paralyzed for sure. Totally. And I feel like, especially as people who like want to be good feminists and want to be good activists, like that's very easy for us to do to constantly want to be doing the right thing and not make any mistakes. But I think that as long as you're remembering what your priorities are within that, it's an easier way for you to kind of navigate that whole world. Yeah, and also have the understanding that while personal responsibility is important, um, corporate responsibility is more important. Yeah, (laughs) right. Individual, don't beat yourself up. You know, you're not making 300 times the amount of the average worker at Kellogg. You're not forcing anyone to work 16 hours a day for 121 days in a row. Through a tornado. You're not doing that. Fuck 
everybody. Good night, everybody. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So just another reminder, we now have merch. Uh, our holiday design is for a limited time. So I do want to remind everybody of that. If you do want to get any of our holiday Slay the Patriarchy merchandise, you've got until January 30th. Am I correct, Keegan? Sure. I don't think we ever settled on an actual date. That works I for me. I feel like I saw it somewhere that it was like, this will be available until this time. So I don't know, but sure, let's run it through January. That sounds good. Maybe we're crazy. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll cut that out. But it's only going to be available through January. So if you want to get your holiday merch, get on that as soon as you can. Um, hopefully, we'll be adding some new designs after the holidays and things like that. But if you want to get any of our merch, you can find the link to our Threadless page on our Instagram account. You can go to the link in our bio. I don't know why that was so hard for me to say, but I got it out. I got there. Um, also, like always, if there's any news topics that you would like for us to do on the show, you can go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can rate and review us on the business page and chat with your fellow listeners on the group page. And last but certainly not least, I'm going to remind you once again that if you haven't done so already, Ready, we would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a five-star review with a quick sentence about why you enjoy the show on Apple Podcasts. It truly does help us so, so much, and it really makes our day reading them. All right, that's all we have for you today. With all that being said, we encourage you to, to rage on. Bye! America's real history is one of giants who overcame all odds, overcame slavers and robber barons. And what did we do? Well, everyone knows we invented the internet, but we also invented the middle class, the five-day work week, the teenager, the automobile and the space race, and we're just getting started. We've been through far more chaotic times than this one, with some of the most incredible leaders on the planet, and they're ready for us to pick up where they left off. Our real origins connect us back to reality, each other, and a whole new cinematic universe to empower and inspire. My name's Matthew Cook, and I'm the host of American Origin Stories, now playing wherever you get your podcasts, or you can learn more at realm.fm.